0: Welcome, everyone, to tonight's Thursday night class. Tonight's class was dedicated by Aliza Koren. And this was an honor and a memory of Shimon ben Aaron Moshe, whose yard was today. May his neshama have a very, very great aliyah to the greatest of heights, higher and higher and higher and higher and endlessly higher. And bring a lot of brachas down to you, your family, and everybody. For much mazel brach and only good things. So we should merit already. The great light of Mashiach Tziddkenu. Okay, we're going to learn a mimer over here from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Said in 1989, Tashemem test. Um, probably to. I'm planning not to learn this very deeply or thoroughly, just to go through quickly because it's erev yomtiv. There's a lot happening, but let's go. Here we go. It's so probably one of the, la- the last mimerim the Rebbe ever said. Because 1989, those t- those days, there weren't really any memorandum being said too much. This might even be the last mime, I'm not sure. Anyways. <laughs> the first opening of the Ten Commandments is, I am God, your God, that I took you out of Egypt. The Pasuk Adish, which this verse is the first utterance, or the first commandment of the Ten Commandments. Which was given by the time when the Torah was given on the sixth day of Sivan after on the fifth day of Sivan like we discussed in the Monday class, the Jewish people said we will do when we will hear Angels came and they tied to every single Jew two crowns one was placed corresponding to the Nasa it was because they said Nasa means not the angels came and put crowns on their heads. One because they said we will do, and the other one because they said we will hear. So, as, And after that, when God came down on the mountain, his first commandment was, I am God, your God, which is the commandment to believe in Hashem, to accept God's oneness. This was, and again, that preparation was done on the fifth day of Sivan, and God came down and gave us the Torah, which the first commandment was, I am God, your God. On the sixth day of Sivan, and in many... Discourses from the previous Chabad rabbim, it is brought the question: the great question of the of the of the of the Jewish people, of the of the of the great scholars of Israel, who asked this question: the Ibn Ezra and others as well. And what's the question? Why doesn't it say, "I am God, your God, that created heaven and earth." creating if god wants to introduce himself so the creation of heaven and earth is a much greater feat than the taking out of egypt the creation of heaven and earth is a much greater accomplishment than going out of egypt even though it's true when we went out of egypt there were many miracles which are extraordinary things number one okay it's not the only time there were miracles before the exodus of egypt many miracles happened later at later times yes concentrated in one short period so many spectacular miracles yeah that was very 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 intense but it's not like the only time miracles happen but more so, the concept of a miracle, which is powerful, but it's only God changing one natural phenomenon, and he's changing it to a different state of existence. So he's, he's, he, he's changing what is already to exist in a different manner. Let's say a sea, the water is usually fluid, and God is making the sea be stationary. And that's changing one type of thing to another. The animals are usually scattered. God brings all the animals concentrated into one place. So it's it's not normal. It's not the regular. But now it's still you're working with stuff that exists already. But to create, to bring nothing into existence, to bring animals from non-existent into existence, is way bigger than just gathering all the animals to one place. That's the concept. Or to create a sea from nothing is much greater than to take the sea that exists already and just... You know change the way it looks or the way it is the creation of heaven and earth is something from nothing now in addition to this that the creation of ex nilo is a much greater miracle it's not only that it's a greater impact in what happened that a non-entity came into a being or from nothingness came, came existence. And over here, it's just changing and reorganizing kind of ex- existence. But, but it's more than that also. The godly power that created heaven and earth, especially the physical creation, it's explained, is the power of God's very essence. Because to create material phys- matter, matter exists as if it doesn't have a source. Matter exists as if it doesn't have a source. Because when you look at matter, it doesn't tell you that it, it's being generated. from. So it seems to be existing without a source. So it's explained that the only one who can create such a ridiculous type of a existence that doesn't, that even though it is has a source, it should feel as if oblivious to its source. Only God can impart that feeling to matter. Because God's very essence. Because God doesn't either have a source. He exists from within himself. So that's why the material physical world has a certain oomph coming from God's very essence, which the miracles of Egypt come from God's name. Yes, the infinity, the miracles of Egypt come from the infinity of God. But the infinite is not the essence. So it comes out that creation is really higher even than the miracles of, of the Exodus. So why when God is giving us the Torah, doesn't he introduce himself by something something more uh, uh, some, some uh, you know a deeper the, his, his deeper higher self that was engaged in creation can you do as it is known to create something from nothing it's only in the power of the very essence of god also whose existence stems from within himself we can say the this that the existence of the something that is created is a real existence now the Rebbe is saying an interesting thing a very interesting idea you know there, 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 there is there is reason to believe that the existence that we see as existence creation the substance of a world Is not really a true existence, not a true phenomenon. Because it has no reality other than the energy flowing into it. And it's so canceled in the infinity of God's infinite light to the point that it's a non-entity, as we discussed many times. If that's the case, we can come to a conclusion and say that it really, on a a true level, there is no creation. There's There's nothing existing. But we know that's not the case. We know that the, the world truly, truly, truly is in existence. The Rebbe says, why? Is because it's coming from the one who truly, truly exists. In other words, the reason why the world cannot be dismissed as nothing is because when we say the world, we mean primarily the physical lowest of existence is because it is related to the very, 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 Truest of existence, but you know, it's more than all the spiritual levels in between. More than them, because they—they're not—they're not—they're touch, touching the infinite. They're touching the expressions of God. But the physical world is connected. To, that's why it's so important the physical. But if that's the case, it all takes us back to the to the question. If so, then the creation of heaven heaven and earth is very, very true and very deep. So why, when God introduces himself, doesn't he say, I'm the one who created heaven and earth? Why does he say that I took you out of Egypt? He should have said that I created heaven and earth. If we can add, This, that, now, he's going to intensify the question. This, that it says, that the question is asked before we get even to the answer thedge that the that the first of the commandments should have said that I created heaven and earth there's another relationship why that would be more appropriate, and that is because he's going to strengthen the question and that is because there is a certain similarity between um Creation of heaven and earth and the giving of the Torah. In a certain way, they match up. They align with each other. Why? In that both of them are constant. The creation of heaven and earth is a continuous thing. It happens all the time. Perpetual, continuously. As we know that the force of creation that God creates is constantly imparting existence to the world if that energy would cease it would stop to creation wasn't a one-time event creation is a continuous element now just like it is regarding the creation the same is also regarding god giving the torah the giving of the torah was not a one-time event 3333 years ago the giving of the torah is a constant Now, first. As the Balshentov teaches on the Passover, God, forever your word stands in heaven. It's brought in the book of Tanya. That the divine power creates the creation all the time from nothing to something. So, one second. The Balshamtov teaches that creation, based on a pasuk, that God, Hashem's words, are always in the heavens. The Balshamtov says which words of God's are always in the heavens. It's a verse in Psalms. Balshamtov says the words that God said to the heavens that there should be a heaven; those words are continuously creating the heaven. Uh, now let's take this even deeper. Since we said earlier. That even though there are various, various levels in the divine, there is the most outer expressions of the divine, which would be the limited God expressing himself in a limited manner. Then there is God expressing himself in an infinite manner. But these are both expressions. And then there is God's very self. We call Atzimus, we call Hashem's very self, higher than any form of expression. And in the most astonishing way, we connect the lowest form of existence, which is the material world. Although, albeit on a revealed way, it's only cre- it's created from the most limited elements of the divine expression. As we learned so many times in Hasidus that creation is only created by a little ray of array of array of array. But that's only on the on the more external immediate level. But when you go really, really deep into it and figure out how does something from nothing come into existence, only a being who doesn't exist from anybody can be responsible for that. So that cannot be any of the divine expressions because the divine expressions come from somewhere. Only the divine essence doesn't come from anything. So once we've established that the the lowest material world is connected to the very essence of God, and we're saying that what? That creation is a constant means that when we say it's a constant, it means all the way up to the very beginning. That that God's very essence is responsible for the creation, the physical creation, continuously. The power of the essence of God. Comes out that the creation, that's that's every second, whose app is something from nothing, literally from the very essence. So so that's in creation. Torah has the same thing. Torah, we know, is also flowing from God's very essence. That's why the open word of the Torah is not one of God's names. The first word of the Torah is Anochi. I am. I, when someone says I, it means their very being. So, where is Torah coming from? The Torah is flowing and emanating from God's very essence. And it's constant. And it's flow from the essence. He behold every second. Why? How do we know the Torah is not a one time projection? Maybe the Torah was a one time download. How do you know there's a constant streaming? That's what he's saying. Torah is being streamed all the time. It's not, it wasn't a one-time download. Like we say, no sein haTorah. When we make a blessing for the Torah, we don't say that he gave us the Torah. We say no say haTorah. He's presently giving us the Torah. We're saying it current. For that reason, the sages tell us. We have to treat the Torah like the Torah is new. Now we wouldn't be told to treat it like it's new if it wasn't new. It's a sign that it is new. It's constantly being generated from its very, very source. And the source is God's essence. In that sense, the Torah and creation are similar is that both of them have its roots in the very essence of God. And they're both continuous versus the going out of Egypt, which was a a massive event. But number one, it wasn't from the essence. It was from the Infinity of God breaking all the, but not from the essence and on the other hand, that wasn't constant So now why are we talking about going out of Egypt? Why is that? Why is that what's mentioned over here? That's a good question Now once we mentioned that we're supposed to learn Torah and that Torah should always be new When was that power given to us that we should learn Torah and it should be new Nitan Torah this was given to us at the giving of the Torah. In other words, not only is the Torah being continuously generated and flowing from the essence of God and that's why it's new, but the problem but from our end we're, we're reading the same verses for thousands of years we're, we're reading the same laws. yes, we can explore and find new things to learn but generally every year we read again the Torah so, and the nature of us is what? When you're reading something and it's repetitive, to start becoming stale, to start becoming old, for it to age. But he's saying, no, God gave us a special power by the giving of the Torah, that we should always have a fresh, crisp Torah, as if it came right out of the oven right now. It's not a stale, you know. Torah is called bread. It's not old bread. It's new, fresh rolls every day. It can you do? How do you know that that this was given to us? This power was given to us. By the giving of the Torah, as it is known in the explanation of the verse, when it says, God spoke all these words, which words? The words of the Ten Commandments. He spoke him saying. So the question is, what does it mean saying? Here it can't mean to tell others. Like every time it says, Lamar, in the Pasuk. Why? Because here there's no one to say it to. Moses, first of all, is not the only one hearing it. Moshe is hearing it together with all the Jewish people. We're all there. Secondly, all the generations were there. All the souls of all the Jewish people were at the at the foot of Har Sinah. everybody heard the commandments coming directly from God. So, who should we repeat it to? Our children. Our children also heard it directly from God. So therefore, what does it mean over here, Leymar? So the Altareb explains, The meaning of the Leymar that is stated over here is as follows. At the time of the giving of the Torah, God gave each and every one of us the power, that in all the generations, that we should say all these words, which is referring to the whole Torah. In other words, even though it says Laymar regarding the Ten Commandments, we know that the Ten Commandments embodied contained within them all of the Torah. Because the Ten Commandments are the root of all the 613. And the 613 Commandments are the root for all the all the commentaries and all the details and sub details, even though these things were revealed later in the Mishnah and in the Talmud and so on and so forth in the Oral Law. But it's all contained there. Now God gave us the entire Torah, Lamar, what does that mean? He's empowering us to say it in a very special way. What does that mean? <speaking in Hebrew> that when we are learning Torah, we should say it, we should speak it in a way of Lamar What does that mean? <speaking in Hebrew> that our words should be a transmission of the divine. Very powerful. God empowers us by the giving of the Torah that when we speak Torah, we should just be literally downloading the divine at that moment. And it should be God's words coming through our mouth. We're channeling. If that's the case, what does that mean? It's always new. We're not reading something. We're not quoting. I'm not quoting the verse. God is now saying these words. At the moment you're saying it, God is saying. We said earlier that God is constantly speaking the Torah but not necessarily we're tuning in. By Sinai, we all tuned in. God made us tune in. But then we can tune out and we can be channeling other channels or paying attention to other things. When we study Torah, we're not speaking our words. We're just a funnel through which God's speaking through us. Like literally, and and and, and it's not like God is like somewhat, eh, you know, saying it. Now, he's saying it as fresh as he was saying it back then because God doesn't age. No change in Him. So God is emitting the Torah now exactly like with the same vitality and energy as he said it the first time, or what we can rather say that he's outside of time, so what he's speaking is not within time, so it's a constant, and we just have to, and we're just, whenever we're learning, we're tuning into it, but the point over here is that God gave us the power to tap that, because we might generally think that by us living in time and space, so we like get disconnected from that, from that revelation. And therefore, when we're learning, we can at best quote him. We're reading an old document and we're quoting him. No, God gave us the Torah that Lamar, whenever we will speak it, it will be that we're just repeating after him. It's, not, it's as if he's saying it right now through us. And which therefore the sages tell us that when one studies Torah, you're not supposed to learn Torah on the couch. You're supposed to learn Torah not, you know, sprawled out, laying on the floor. You know, you can read, you know, a history book without your pants on. Literally, you know, you're laying on the floor. You're No one is there, so you kind of just feel very comfortable. You're grabbing, you know, a history book and you're, and you're reading it. You can read it sprawled out on the couch. Not when you're learning Torah. When you're learning Torah, you're supposed to study Torah with dread and fear as if you're standing at Sinai. That's what the sages say. They derive it from a verse. Just like when we stood at Har Sinai, we were in dread and in fear, trembling and sweating. Afkan the same now. We should be. We should be literally sweating buckets when we learn Torah because we're standing at Sinai. It's a weird. It's a weird expectation based on what? I'm sitting in my living room. I'm actually right i'm giving the I'm giving the class now in front of my living room actually I'm sitting comfortable, so why should we be shaking? But no, you're supposed to. and the reason I'm not shaking right now is because I'm not really really, really becoming I, I, i'm I'm learning about it, but I'm not cognizant of this enough. This is the truth, but this is the reality. The sages are telling us the truth. God is speaking right now, and we're just allowing God to speak through us.. So with this we understand even more the newness to the giving of the Torah. In other words, we said before that the Torah is being given. The Torah is the same like creation. Creation happens every second. Torah also is being given every second. Okay, that's true. Torah is given every second. But what does it have to do with Shavuot, the time of the giving of the Torah? The newness, the fact that... He, That he's giving it every second is the same on Tuesday, Wednesday, Rosh Hashanah, Lagbomer, Purim, Hanukkah. God is giving the Torah. No, that too is connected to Shurus. Number one, because Shurus had started, obviously. Shurus is when it was the first time. And from there and onward, God is speaking it all the time. But more than that, our power for us to tap into the newness of the Torah, that even at our end, it shouldn't be repeating something old, but that it should be something new. That empowerment was given to us on the day that God gave us the Torah. He spoke to us a Lamar So that emphasizes even more this idea that Torah is constant and it's new. This was given to us by the giving of the Torah. So based on this, we're still back at the question. Why then Torah and creation have a a, a, a common element and it should have been that now based on what is known is when in Torah is different than all other subjects in all other subjects when you have a certain um, approach or a question which you don't understand something and then you get your answer because you get clarification it can be a math something the question and the problem is not really of major significance. It's you know a misunderstanding in your head. The fact that you didn't understand it is nothing to be proud of. I mean that's the way we study. That's the way we learn. We gain knowledge by questioning. But the question is just a question. It's not. It's the question is not truth. Question is a a blockage on truth. And therefore, once you get to the answer, you can discard. There's no. There's no significance. True significance to the question. But in Torah, it's not that way. A, a question in Torah is also part of Torah. What's the proof? We're not allowed. We're not allowed to learn Torah unless we make a blessing before we before we study Torah. We have to make a blessing Now, what happens if you only have ten minutes to study? I mean, we do it in the beginning of the day, and it's considered already the blessing for the whole day. What happens if you know that today you're only going to learn ten minutes, and you're and you know you're studying a certain passage in the Talmud? And that passage is only going to be a question. You're not going to get to the answer. It's going to take you 10 minutes to elaborate the question. And other than that, you're not learning Torah at all today. This is your only Torah study. So are you obligated to make the blessing for Torah or not? You're not allowed to study that question without making the blessing that God is giving me the Torah. Oh, but all that I'm just asking, I'm just reading the question. I'm not even reading the answer. And the question is going to be refuted tomorrow when I read the answer. And we get the answer. I'm going to realize the question is not a question. So then it's not Torah. What's Torah? Torah is divine truth. Obviously, the question is divine truth. It's almost like God Himself says the question and God answers the question. It's not like there's a certain clarity, a certain truth, and then there is human questions leading up to it. No, the questions too are part of the Torah. Which means there's they're true as well. Even though in the end we dismiss the question. Okay. That the question of Torah is also Torah. And if it's Torah, Torah is truth. So it's Torah's MS, it's a Torah of truth. Move on it's understood. So we have to say that when the great rabbis asked the question, that the beginning of the Torah should have been with the, should have been saying, I am God, your God that created heaven and earth. That's the question. But when we look in the verse we see it doesn't say that. Obviously we're going to have a good answer later. But we have to say that the question as well is true. What does it mean the question is true? That on some level, the beginning of the Torah is with God saying, I created heaven and earth. In other words, it's not just a a, a proposal on our end. If this is a question in Torah, it means there's a truth to it. That means even, even after we have the answer, we're still going back to the point that the Torah should have started with the with creation, heaven, and earth, and that the Torah does start with that, even though you don't see that in the verse. So let's see. Here's said, Gamma Libya the Yamas, it's also according to the truth. The of is that. Now, obviously, where do you see that? Number one, if you open up a Bible, you don't start with the Ten Commandments. You start with what? god created heaven and earth if you open up a a torah scroll what is the torah gonna start with in the beginning god created heaven and earth so the torah does start with creation of heaven when we're when we're asking the question we're saying when god is giving the torah which is the ten commandments he should have started with that so In addition to that, uh, in addition to that, that the actual starting of the Torah scroll is with the creation of heaven and earth. And also Rambam, who is a review of the entire Torah oral law, also starts with creation. Because when the Rambam begins, Rambam says the first principle, the first thing is to believe that there is a singular, there is a absolute being who brings forth all of existence and he's the one who and everything that exists in heaven and earth is comes can only be from his existence that's the story of creation how God creates all of existence is, we say is to know that there is a, prime, a, a primary being and he and he brings forth all, all beings and all of existence's were not to be found from the truth of his existence. And to add, um, and to add on, that in the beginning of Mishneh Torah, Rambam, he doesn't just talk about in a very general level. Creation. In Torah Sav, in the written Torah, it says it only very general. Kazchol is Torah Ah, That's what he's saying. There's In the Rambam's Torah, what the Rebbe is really saying is there's two Torah. There's one Torah, but Torah has two, two versions. There is Chumash, which is the written Torah. And there's the oral Torah. Now, oral Torah, you can say, is Mishnah. But oral Torah is also Rambam, because the Rambam himself writes, I am gathering together. he says, I'm gathering together the entire law from the entire Torah. So that's considered. The another version, so to speak, of Torah. Or another. Now, what he's saying is both of them start with the story of creation. In Rambam, it doesn't, it goes much deeper. Then, then you'll find in Chumash. Because in Chumash it says, is bara Elohim. And we don't really know who this Elohim is. We know it's Elohim. We know Elohim is the power. But we don't know, is this just a tiny little expression of God, which we usually say is Elohim. Or is this, we know it's not the infinite light, because the infinite light is Yud Kei Ke, the tetragrammaton. But what the secret that we don't know is what the Hasidic masters have revealed to us, that in creation lies the very essence of God. Because in order to create it, only a being, that's thats the Alter Rebbe says that in Tanya, that's where we get to know that. Oh, but Rambam also says, because the Rambam says that all of existence, lo'inimtsu, do not exist, ela, only ma'amit from the truth of his existence. Which means Rambam is pinning the world, existence, the creations, that where are they being? What's their what's their platform? What's their underlying beingness? It's the being of the very essence of God. So the Ramam is much more revealing than there is in Chumash. The true being, and also another thing. In Chumash it doesn't say that God's creating the world. In, in, in Torah, and in Chumash itself, in Scripture, it, in, at least not in the beginning of the Torah, it doesn't say that God's continuously creating. It says God created in the beginning. <laughs> A long time ago, He created. But Rambam's Im- implication, if you read Maimonides' words, is that it's happening all the time. As he says, Shabriyo rega v'rega like Maimonides says further, the im the second law of Rambam, is as follows that if it will occur to someone's mind, Shahu that God is not to be found, God is not in existence, Maimonides says, if you take God out, nothing else can exist. What's that telling you? That the power of the maker is continuously in, in the creation. That means like this: even after God imparted existence to the creation, it's not like once He imparted the creation, of God disappears. You might say, you know, God forbid, you know, a mother gives birth to a child, the children continue to be after the mother, even if after the mother passed on. So when God gave birth to the creation, you know, one could argue that once they exist, He gave them independent existence. Maimonides is saying no. They continuously depend on his existence. If he will not exist in them, they will, they will cease to exist. Now these are two teachings that Hasidus reveal. But the Rebbe is really, the Reb is so cool, because in, if anybody that studied Rambam never really you know implied this. these are two Hasidic teachings. One is the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov, that creation is perpetual, creation is continuous. And the other, the other one is a teaching of the Alter Rebbe that only a being whose existence is from within himself can impart such a feeling into creation that exists without a source, which means to create something from nothing. Only, but the Rebbe, in a very, very cool way, says that the Ramam is really saying that if you look and you read deeply in the words of Maimonides, which is a few hundred years before the Tov, he's saying that as well. Number one, it's from the very essence of God. And the ramam wrote this not as mystical teachings like Hasidus. The ramam is writing it as a halacha, as a law. But this is all parenthetical. What are we saying over here? Where are we going with this? What we're saying is that this, that the question that we asked, that the beginning of the Torah should have been with creation, not with the exodus, So the Rebbe is saying that is according to truth. It's not just the question. According to truth, it is that way as well. Number one, so it is in the literal Torah. When you take out a Torah, as we said, you start with creation. Number two, even over here, in addition to that, even when it comes to the Ten Commandments, in the beginning of the giving of the Torah, you also have the idea of creation of heaven and earth. But that part you find it only in the oral law, but not in the in the in the in, the, in scripture. The pasuk edition, the matan Torah, the You're finding it in the Torah of the first Pasuk of Matan Torah the <laughs> Ah. It's funny. The very fact that the sages are asking the question. And they're saying that what? That when God says, I'm God your God, I took you out of Egypt. So in in scripture, that's all you see. In in, in Torah Shabak Sav in the written Torah, that's all you see. But the moment you open up a the commentators, which is Torah Shabbat, you see that they're asking the question, why are you, why are you uh, mentioning that I created heaven and earth? Why aren't you mentioning, i, I took, I'm sorry, why are you mentioning that I took you out of Egypt? Why isn't God saying that I created heaven and earth? So the moment they're asking that question, they are inserting creation and heaven and earth into the first possible. See, their commentary becomes part of the puzzle. So now, according to truth, the creation of heaven and earth is there because the question, because this, because those that are questioning it are questioning it. And by them presenting the question, they are bringing in the creation of heaven and earth into the first puzzle. So according to truth, it's really there. Even though it's there as a question, but still there. Now, the Rebbe says vice versa, he says in that. Well, that is only in the footnotes. He says in the, in the opposite. It, when it comes to the oral law, you find that they do the opposite. When it comes to the actual actual beginning of the Torah, when it talks about, when it literally talks about creation, can okay, there's two parts where Torah begins? That's what's confusing about this whole class, and everything everything in Judaism is has to be confusing. We talk about the, the beginning of the Torah. There's two two beginnings. One beginning is baruchim the beginning of the Torah. The second beginning of the Torah is the beginning of the Ten Commandments, which happens like mid-Torah. So it's interesting. By the, by the Ten Commandments, when God says, I am God, your God, that I took you out of Egypt, what does what, what Torah Shabal Pet, what does the oral law say? Hey, you should have said that I created heaven and earth. But hold it. <laughs> Stop a second. <laughs> when we go to the beginning, when it says... In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. On the first verse, what does Rashi say? He brings the question. Oh, the Torah should have started with uh, with, with, with Yetzirah Mitzrayim, with when we're we going out of Egypt. In Torah, you don't get away with anything. No matter what you try, someone is going to question something. You see, over there we're asking when you tell me the story of creation, we're asking, hey, why are you starting with this? Who cares about creation? The main thing is this is Torah, this is about the Jewish people, this is about the mitzvahs. Start with the first mitzvah, which is going out of Egypt, the, that whole thing. So over there we ask, and over here, so everything is always the opposite. Okay so what's the explanation in this? not yet the answer. he's still explaining the question. he's not yet going to the answer why he's explaining the explanation of why the Torah really does start with 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 creation both in Boacious in Genesis it starts with creation and over here, even though in scripture itself it doesn't say so, but from the sages' question in it, they're bringing the heaven and earth into it, the creation of heaven and earth into it. But what's the explanation? Is an enormous teaching over here. When we learn Torah and we overcome our human. Um, tendency to read the Torah as it's something that we learned already yesterday and the day before yesterday. In other words, once we, because the, the natural tendency of a person is that we lose the excitement. But when we study Torah in the appropriate manner, like we learned earlier, that every single time, it's like it's the first time you're ever learning Torah. It's literally new. It's with the excitement of new. So then, Then we also reveal the newness in creation. Put it this way. The fact that God is recreating and regenerating the world every second is something that is not felt at all in the creation. Same old, same old. Stones. I have a hard time. Even I told you, I keep on saying I go out a lot for walks and hikes. So my wife always she likes one hike. She likes to go, but I say no every time. I have to or somewhere new, because I I I I need newness. It's a new hike. It's a new. I haven't walked here. I haven't gone here. I have. To, <laughs> there's always a new. I'm curious. I can't do the same thing. if you. If you but the truth is, what he means the same. God just created it from absolute nothing. It never was here. <laughs> Every second is a new creation. So, but that doesn't feel so. It doesn't feel so. The creation, when you're walking on the street, it doesn't feel like it's a new street, a new existence. Right? Then we would be so excited about everything all the time. And, and and here's the thing. In creation, it's not possible for us. On its own, the Baal Shem Tov came along and he revealed that because he was the Baal Shem Tov. But until then, creation looked like it's God created a thing, and this thing is just here. Hey, you see, the science is catching up to Chassidot, catching up the Torah. So a few hundred years ago, they discovered as well, I don't know how long exactly who's, uh, that matter is energy. And energy is constantly new. But until then, matter was matter, so it was old. Once you discover that matter is energy, then everything is new every second. It really is them. But to our naked eye, we don't see that. Our physical eyes behold stuff, things. Whoa. But Torah is also could be old. But with Torah, we got a special empowerment that God gave us at Har Sinai. What did we learn earlier? That God at Sinai gave us an empowerment to learn the Torah in a manner where we are just a channel for God. That we can pick ourselves up outside of this of time. And to learn Torah every time that it's new. When we do that in Torah, we're actually that that helps reveal in creation also its newness. The word Lamar is this empowerment, like we said earlier, that God gives us the empower through Lamar. Chaydeza Megalim Kanal Achidus dabria which helps us reveal the the newness of creation. Hareshe Baschala the Matntoyda Oy Liftnei Aser Sadibris Yesh Berem Azakopanim. Herinyin the Chidush Abriya comes out according to that. He's pointing out he's showing you that even before in other words before we even get to I took you out of Egypt which obviously is stated right at the beginning of the of the Torah I am God your God I took you out of Egypt in the beginning of the Ten Commandments in a hidden way creation and of heaven and earth not only is it also stated in this verse it's actually stated before I took you out of Egypt why because the Ten Commandments begin with the word, I am God, your God. But even before God opens up the conversation and says, I am God, your God, even before that it says, and God spoke all these words, lay In the word Lame that's the empowerment. That's our empowerment that we should learn Torah in a manner like it's being said in this moment. By doing that, we are uncovering that in creation as well but creation is being created continuously comes out that even before we get to i am god your god that create that took you out of egypt we have already in it the the creation of heaven and earth and the newness of creation happening every second so it really is there it's there twofold it's there because in the beginning of the torah it says and it's also there when it says lamar however notwithstanding all of this, what is the visible statement in the verse? What is explicitly stated? Not I am God, your God, who took you out of, I'm sorry, who created heaven and earth, but I am God, your God, who took you out of Egypt. Why? Not if you're wearing these deep glasses. If you're listening just, you know, you're listening just, to the way things are stated explicitly. As it is written in the Torah, Torah Shabbat, not when you're looking into the mystical, re- deeper meaning, but as you're looking at it in the simple level. What does it say? I'm God. God took you out of Egypt. Why? Again, what's the question? Going out of Egypt is from a lesser level of the divine. Number two, it's lacking. It's not. It's not continuous. Which is not the same like Torah, which is continuous and. So he explained the <speaking in Hebrew> Torah, because we have to we have to ask what is the intention? What was the intention of creation? And what was the purpose of the giving of the Torah? Hibishvil Yisrael, was for the sake of Israel. <speaking in Hebrew> I created heaven and earth is universal. Universal. God creates a world, everything in it. It's not specified to the Jewish people. On a very deep level, the verse says, for the sake of Israel and for the sake of the Torah, God created. But on the most tangible level, it's universal. Going out of Egypt was a. Particular involvement from God in this world for Israel, for the Jewish people. Since the giving of the Torah, although it has universal impact, its purpose, however, is it's given to the Jewish people. That's why God mentions something that is relating to them particular, not to the greater universal picture, but to them individual. As he says, what is the purpose of both creation and the giving of the Torahs for the sake of Israel? And what's our, what's this, what's the story of the Jewish people? The story of the Jewish people is that first they go through the bottleneck. First they go through Egypt. And they go through suffering and dark times and difficult times. The story as it was then, and the story as it was a few thousand years already after Egypt when we went back into exile when we go go through all the constrictions and all the limitations and from the constrictions they should come out into the broadness and that they should come out from all constrictions and all boundaries it's first that they are in Egypt and then that he takes them out from the land of Egypt it's one thing to be in Egypt. It's another to be in the land of Egypt. It's another thing to be in the house of slaves. <laughs> because the verse says, I took you out of Egypt, I took you out from the house of servitude. Which in this case, as he's explaining it now, is a higher level. Knows one can go out of Egypt, but still be in state of servitude. Because what does servitude mean? Servitude can mean that you're subjugated to anything other than God. Anything it can be even the slightest thing. If there's something other on you, some other pressure, some other something. Even from the house of of servants, that they should be. In, in, in removed from any type of servitude from anybody. Why? Because the servitude is only Tashem. And when we say, me, lead to me, it means that we're not even in service of any divine level. It's the God's very, very Himself. And God argues that my, my, my document comes before every other document. In other words when any anybody will pull out some kind of a document and say that you are enslaved to me god says my my document of ownership my ownership um, deed or my uh, thing precedes everybody so what's the answer so what's the answer the answer is that as 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 spectacular as creation is, as powerful as it is. But the question is, what's the inner 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 intention? There is the what, and there is the why. There is what is, and there is the inner pleasure. What's driving it all? What's the inner motive? What's the inner core? So yes, creation is like wow. And that, a lot of times, you know, a lot of times, you know, you can you can create and make. A party of parties. It's like the king is getting married. It's a party of parties. It's like the whole place, he spends two years preparing the wedding. Billions of dollars being spent. Everything. And there's so much money, there's so much everything. But what's the point? The point is, you know, after the whole festivities, festivities. He's alone with his bride and he gives her a small little bouquet of flowers now the bouquet of flowers they're beautiful i'm sure they're very beautiful flowers but you can't compare it to like the whole ah, thing but the whole thing was just for that love that he's able to give her at that moment it might be much smaller but that was the point of it all. and that's the thing there's a lot happening but i took you out of egypt and the point of going out of egypt means The Jewish people being distant from God, constricted, blocked, separated from him, and then that they should be able to get out of these constrictions and yet and then cleave to him to the point that there is, as we said earlier, no other servitude, nobody else in between belonging to him completely. That's the whole deal which this can be connected to the idea that the giving of the Torah was after the Jewish people prefaced and they said, we will do and we will hear. What does that mean? Even though the giving of the Torah was primarily an act of God, which means it it came from God. It wasn't stimulated from below. It was a gift. It was coming from God. It was a revelation from above. As we know, Vaniya Hashem says, I'm the one who's starting. God was initiating. Yet it required a certain preparation on our end. What was our our preparation? We said we will do and we will hear, which is which expresses something very deep. If you say, I will hear and I will and and, and then I will do. And let's say it's non-negotiable. It's not like I will hear and then I will decide and then I will do. No, I will listen and we will for sure do whatever we hear you're telling us to do. Then when we are actually obedient to what we were asked to do, we are obedient to the will. We are obedient to what was asked. We hear it first. This is what you want. And now we are obedient to that want. Now, if we switch then around the order and we say we will do, we will do. That means we are obedient to him, not to his will. And then, yeah, okay, we're we are obedient to you. That there is you and we are yours okay so then automatically whatever you want we do it's a whole different story if we're saying where is the surrender is the surrender to the commandment or to the com- or is the surrender to the commander that's the point so when they said we will do and we will hear they nullified themselves completely They, they're like they 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 relinquished themselves completely to his very self. And that's why I brought what's the Torah? Since we surrendered ourselves to his very self, higher than his will. What did he give us? He gave he gave us himself as well, higher than his will. And that's what the first word of the Torah is: Anochi, me. What's the whole Torah? Me. I am yours. You just gave yourself to me. That's what they did. They gave their entire selves to him. And he's now giving himself to them. Including, well, as a result of that, what else? So the Torah was given including also this notion of the Torah that we should keep that freshness all all the time. At this very deep, intense moment of love and of bonding of essence to essence should never wear off. It should always be there, continuously. So now the Rebbe says like this, This occurrence that happened on Shavuot, when God gave the Torah, is when, when every year it comes to us again. We mention it, we learn about it, we keep the mitzvot, we pray, we do all the stuff, and by that we cause it to happen again. So every year, everything repeats itself the way it was the first time. The Yisera Mitzvah. Not only do things repeat themselves again. It's not only that we're coming back to where we were last year. And last year we're coming back to where we were the year before. and it's actually a replay. And no, no, it's much deeper. Because whatever we got last year, we got already. We don't need to do that again. Every year it's higher and deeper than it was the year before. The milan the in holiness we always ascend. We always go higher. Now, since everything is dependent on our work, we know every year God will give us a Torah from a deeper place. Because whatever we got last year, we got already. We don't need to get that again. It's obviously deepening every single year. But since everything is dependent on us, so just like by the time of the giving of the Torah, they needed to first surrender themselves and relinquish themselves to the willer of the will, so to every year we, 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 we need to do the preparation for the giving of the Torah on a deeper level than we did the year before. So it's good we're learning this today because who would have known? Not enough to we should prepare this year like we prepared last year. We have to prepare more this year because we want a bigger Torah, a deeper Torah this year than last year. I suffer a so what kind of good, so the reb is going to say some good good ideas good preparations number one i suffer a The inyan da vayihan number one is that we should vayihan loshin yach ki ishhad That um our 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 um vayihan lashin yach ki ishhad we need to we need to become like one heart One of the main preparations that are giving to the Torah was the Jewish unity. Everybody came, the Jews, it says, he camped opposite the mountain, which implies one person, even though they were two million people. Because at that moment, they forgot all their differences. and They became one. So every year, we need to come back to that love for each other and oneness with each other. So each year, we need to do that in a deeper level than the year before. So that's the first preparation, which we can improve on from year to year. And so to the other preparations which happened after Rosh Chodesh. It says that Moshe immediately after Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh, was a busy day. They traveled, so Moshe didn't tell them anything. But on the second day of Sivan, they started intense preparation. So well, these preparations needed to be done yearly. Now, one of the main preparations that we need to do. It's to bring ourselves to the willingness of surrendering and to put our doing before our hearing. Which sounds like a, a, you know, but it's not, it's difficult work. In other words, the idea that we say that, you know, we all have certain things in Judaism, which we have decided in our own mind are not that important. Right? (laughs) Think about it. Think about your day. Think about that there are certain things that other people do and you decide it. Eh, eh, you know. <laughs> I know I do that, but I'm sure everybody else has the think like, eh, eh, yeah, it says so. Eh, eh, you know. If it says so, so why don't you do it? Eh, you know, that, that, <laughs> that, that sense of like, what does that mean? We, we, dis- we, we, we dismissed it in our own mind for whatever reason. This part of Torah is not so appealing to us or it's not that exciting to us or it's not that we create it, but that's the opposite of Nasavanishma. v'Nishma. Nas means we will do and we will hear whatever you say, God. If this is something that God wants, it doesn't have to be that it's appealing, it's comfortable, it's exciting, it's interesting. It doesn't make a difference. If it's what needs to be done, it's done. But that means we will do before we will hear. It's, so we have to every year strengthen that, even make ourselves be more obedient to the will of God beyond our understanding. Which that's the main preparation to the giving of the Torah. One of the proofs that this was so vital was that this was the this was the thing they did the day before Shavuos. We discussed on the Monday class. We discussed how pivotal it was the day before Yom Tiv. So on that day is the day they did this. And this is the, this is literally the leading up to Nitna Torah. The closer you're getting to the Torah, the preparations are becoming more and more vital a greater significance. What does this mean to us? It means that throughout the day, we should contemplate. Every single one of us should take a little moment to think about this. And what's what should be our contemplation? Contemplation about how we once stood at Sinai and we once said, "We will do and we will hear." And you have to. And we ask ourselves, "How am I doing with that? Where am I standing in that? Am I now?" This year standing and ready to say to God, I will do and I will. Do. And the Rebbe says that this kind of contemplation shouldn't just be a, like a quick contemplation. It should be as bainun samasim. It should be a fitting contemplation. day it shouldn't just be stay in your head. It has to be a contemplation that we should lead to a resolve and to actual impl, implement implementation. That everything and all matters of the divine service when it comes to all matters of judaism of service of the divine the most important thing is to actually do it not to talk about it not to think about it but to do it and after you do it then you can give it thought and you can think i'm not saying that you don't think before a mitzvah but sometimes we get caught in the the appreciation of things as they are in concept we learned about the appreciation of how amazing this is, and then we don't do it that means we're lacking in the do coming before the here i will i will do and i will hear means much as i appreciate but before that i do so we should count this. is giving you what's the he's giving you exercises over here what are the things we should do so we should make sure that this shavu is we're really going to get it and that we got it last year, but we're going to get it much deeper this year than we've got it. Two things: number one, it should register deeper inside of us. Number two, it should come from it; It should be a higher giving from from Hashem. So again, what are the preparations? Unity to unify with with each other, and nasa before nishma. Well, after we do, then we can bring ourselves. The Rebbe is saying, doing is the most important. But we, the Jews didn't just say we will do, we will do and we will hear, because hearing is also important. What's hearing? Hearing means identifying with it, understanding it, appreciating it. There are people who love doing; they don't like thinking, they don't like understanding. It's not for them. We got to go both ways. We got to do, but we should also be enriched by Torah and Mitzvot, understand them and learn them. And these are two things that we should think about: How am I doing in both these areas? <laughs> And even though, watch this, the Rebbe says, the fifth day of Sivan, which this, this mimer was said on the fifth day of Sivan, is the day before Yom Tiv, and you got to make blintzes. It's a busy day. She by People are busy with preparation, with cooking, and shopping, and buying, and it's a, it's a big holiday. you do? I told this quite because just my a it is known what the previous rebbe, the rebbe says, my father. Although the previous rebbe said that on Shavuos, and since Shavuos extends also to the day before on Shavuos, was such a special holiday that the unholy, the side of the klipa, the side of the of the dark side, doesn't have such power over us. So, because it's a very very happy day above, and the the satan gets like confused, he's not there which means that we can get away with a lot of stuff, holy stuff, that our animalistic selves would generally not allow us to do. Including the fact that even though we're busy, Erev of we can steal a couple of moments to think about God and to think about the Torah. And and and, bring, and and make a deeper commitment. Because we don't have so much opposition on this day, that's what he says. So you might as well utilize it. That's why it's a very appropriate time. It's a time in which to sign a lot of contracts with God. That's the point, <laughs> because the one who's trying to stop us from signing these contracts is out for lunch. And as a result of that, get as much as you can, make as many commitments as you can, because now is the time that you can bring yourself to a true commitment. Once you commit, it's too late. You know, you signed the contract. What can you do? You know, you mortgaged your house already for it. So what are you gonna do? It's done. The problem is sometimes is making the commitment. Because we have the side that's, you know, is not interested in, because these are such a powerful time, we can, we can get things done that we couldn't do another time. or moving past this, it's understood noise of simply. The noise of is, in addition to these preparations that are connected to the days before Shiva, beginning with the month of Sivan, which Rosh Chodesh Sivan, First day of Siva. And then for sure we should do a special preparation for the things that are connected to the day of Shavuot itself. These are things that are connected. We do the preparations before Shavuot. First of all, to go gather as many Jews as you can to come to Shavuot. We know that Shavuot is the least popular of all the Jewish holidays. Hanukkah is a big one, because, you know, that's the same time as the, the holiday season. So Jews need to find something to do, so Hanukkah is, like, very popular. Rosh Hashanah, very popular. Pesach, Passover, very popular. Shavuot, so many people don't know about. So we need to go and gather Jews to come to Shul, as many as you can. And it should be variation, adults and children, men, women, children, everybody. Everybody should come to Shul. Especially at the time when they're reading the Ten Commandments. Because that's when God is literally giving the Torah, so we want God to have an audience. Everybody needs to be there. Not just that, because God wants to see all of His children there. Not just the religious ones. He wants everybody there. Okay, as explained many times. This, that we say that every year on Shavuos, the Torah is given new like it was the first time, is Galu the Iker. The Rebbe is saying, this that God gives in Torah every Shavuos, but what is the main moment when that's happening in a very, very tangible way? When the Torah scroll is open and we are reading for those five minutes that we're actually reading the giving of the Torah, that's when it's happening like it, it God is, Hashem is there giving the Torah at that moment. Baikar Bakrida sera Dibris, and therefore everybody has to be there. Kamaim Razal the Saj just say Amakhaj Israel Bonai. Hashem says the the midrash tells us that God says to the Jewish people, My children, Ayy Kaida Sapasha Zois Bakhoshana, read this Torah portion every year. Vanimai Lachem and I am considering it keenly atim undumlufnehar sinai. I am considering it as if you are standing at Mount Sinai, a Torah, and you're receiving the Torah. That's why we're supposed to be sweating buckets, as we said earlier when we're hearing this. Even if you can't sweat every time you're learning Torah and really feel the dread, but our Shavuot when we're reading it then, it's not a time to be yawning because you're up all night. No, no, no. That's when you really need to tune in. As if we're standing in front of Mount Sinai. This is also one of the reasons why the Rebbe instituted this that we should we should invite everybody. The Rebbe, one of the Rebbe's things, they should bring even the tiniest babies, even two-day year old, even babies right out of the hospital that were just born, newborn should also come to Shul. Why? Should be there. Because it's a soul thing. It's a, it's a soul down, even if they don't understand, it doesn't make a difference. We want everybody to be at Sinai when the Torah is being given. Like I've spoken many times. And to add to this, to make sure that specifically children should be there, is also important for the introduction to the giving of the Torah. Not just for the giving of the Torah itself, but one of the things that is needed as a preparation. Why? It says that this, that, that when the Torah was given, God asked for a guarantee. We we made a commitment. God says, come on. How do I know you're really going to keep it? You mean it seriously? God says, "I I want a guarantor. We're not signing this lease unless you give me some backup of it. And it says the Jewish people offered all kinds of guarantors, and God didn't accept them. Only when they said our little children will be our guarantors, God said, that's it. And Hashem signed. It was a done deal. Because we signed away our children. And that's why you got to bring the kids there because the guarantors have got to be there. Oh, the Rebbe says that it includes when we say our children are our guarantors. Also means our children are what mix us together, one well, with each other. There's a there's a, there's a pirush that says, Call Yisrael Araven. All the Jewish people are mixed. Simply means we guarantee each other. Why do we guarantee each other? Because why, why am I responsible for you? Because there's a piece of me in you, there's a piece of you in me. We're all integrated with each other. Our children help us that because you know you see a lot of times what brings communities together. The children they go to the same school, they go to the same. Uh, that's what causes integration. Well, people would sit in their own islands, but their children, I like think, their children need play friends. Children and children don't have egos like the parents, so the children have a much easier time to to integrate. And there's a third peerish in the word Arevim. Arevim also means sweetness. Our children are the sweetening element. There's um, another Pyrrhus. When it says all the Jewish people so beautiful, all the Jewish people are guarantors for each other, there's another, reason, another meaning. Arevim means all Jewish people are sweet one to each other. Uh uh-huh. All Jewish people are sweet one to each other. It means that when we see someone else it feels sweet we don't get irritated by seeing another person we feel sweeter there's sweetness so the children have that power are related to that as well now another one the is gonna pile it up on us over here what else should we be accepting to add in Torah study. If the Torah is precious, then you want to give it more time. And since the Torah has the revealed Torah, Uprimius HaTorah and chasidus you have to add in both. And then you're going to spread chasidus too. <laughs> Once he's already has us our attention. <laughs> I'm noticing how the Rebbe is taking advantage. The Rebbe says, every year we need a Again, these are all new things that we need to do every year more and more and more. So another thing we should do is we should already make a decision now that after Shu'as on Yisra the day after Shulaz, we're going to make gathering, Torah gatherings. Or right away after or within the next few days. Now it's not enough for you to do what you did last year. You have to exceed last year. You have to outdo yourself every year. Whether the preparations that are before Shavuot Whether it's pertaining to the pre-Shavuot, whether it's pertaining to the Shavuot itself, or whether it's pertaining to what you're going to do post-Shavuot. As we said earlier, that every year we have to add to the preparations of the giving of the Torah and when we do all the preparations the way we should what are we sure that the actual Shavuot the giving of the Torah is on a higher level and when we say higher we mean not a little bit higher we mean incomparably higher To we get like a Torah like we've like bang It's like, out of the park, Torah. A new, like on a level, we've never had it before. So much so, it's like, we never had it before. It's like new, like we've, that's how unbelievably more powerful it is this year than last year, that it's as if it's new, we've never been here before. And particularly this year, the Rebbe says, 18, and in 1989, that was the year that he said the discourse. Ereshnas Tavshinun. It's the year before 5750. Shiyashloim Erem Mez Rasha Tevis Teshnas Nisa. That's when the Rebbe, I wonder if he said it for the first time. Next year, 5750 Tavshinun. Should the acronym let it be the year of miracles? Vegam Beshanazu Eresh Tavshinun Toymekvar Manisa Metavshinun. Already in 5789, we're already tasting the miracles of 5750, which is the year of miracles. We need to prepare even more. And when our preparations from year to year, and the preparations, when we add from year to year, and the preparations for the giving of the Torah, it makes the giving of the Torah stronger to the point that it's incomparably higher and it's totally new. Even though the giving of the Torah and the newness of it is every day, as we said earlier, every day it should be new. The main idea of giving of the Torah in a way that it's completely new, it's mainly on Shavuot. It's always, but mainly on Shavuot. Now, I'm going to go quickly over here. We still have a few, uh, page and a half. Now, just like when the Torah was given the first time, it caused the world stability. as the sages say, there's a verse in Psalms in Tehillim, Perek 76, verse number nine Tehillim, I involve Pasik It says over there like this. The land feared, and it, and it calmed down. So the sages asked the question. What do I mean? It feared, and it calmed down. So if it feared, it had something to fear. It. So why did it calm down? If it calmed down, if it was calm later, why was it? Why did it fear at the beginning? So the sages say it's just referring to the world until the giving of the Torah. <speaking in Hebrew> then, until it came that day on the calendar, the sixth day of the seven in the year two four four eight, the world was trembling. Why? Because they didn't know if the Jews will keep the Torah will accept the Torah. When it came the sixth day of Sivan, when Israel received the Torah, Shakata everything the world let out us a, 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 a sigh of relief, and the whole world calmed down. so that was then. The Rebbe says Every single year, Shavuot, when we accept the Torah, adds stability to the earth it removes a lot of the anxiety that there is in the world. The world de-stresses. (laughs) Why? Because since the Torah is given every year more and more and more, so it brings more tranquility and more peace in the world. (laughs) When there is an addition in the giving of the Torah and then the receiving of the Torah, the world becomes more intense, strong. It adds strength and stability to the world similar to what we said earlier when we learn Torah in a way that we feel that it's new we uncover the newness in creation as well remember we said that that from the Torah we reveal the newness in the world which is that the world becomes renewed every minute from God's very self so similar to that is that the world, from year to year, through accepting the Torah, there is more strength in the world, more stability in the world. The Rebbe says, What is the real calmness of the world? We say, once the Torah is given, the world is calm. Simply you learn, because if the the Torah won't be given, then God has no purpose in creation. So the world is wobbly. But there's a deeper reason. Because when we receive the Torah and we receive it in a manner of newness, we uncover that creation is perpetual and new. That causes the world to be the real meaning of calm. I would think the opposite. If I know I exist, and I'm going to continue existing, because just because I am, I'm pretty calm. But if I know that every moment I cease to exist and only because God continues to make me I will exist, I can be very worried, anxious. Maybe He won't make me a minute later. Why is the fact that when we uncover the godly power that is continuously infusing the world in creation, why is that creating in the world a sense of comfort, a sense of relaxation? We would think it's more like someone holding you out of the out of the, outside the window, holding on to you. If you leaves go, you, you, you one side doesn't to do anything. You cease to exist. So I would think it's it's actually more more nerve-wracking. But he says, no. Oh, I thought he's going to explain it. He doesn't explain it. So I left you with a good question. I don't know what the answer is. But that's what he says. When we uncover the divine infusion into the creation, it causes us to relax. I guess maybe the explanation is as follows. If I am me because I am me, then I have a lot to worry about. Because I'm a pretty shlemazel, so if 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 I if God left me to my own devices, who knows? But if I know that God is responsible for me every second, He's creating me from something, not, and He's omnipotent and infinite. So what do I have to worry about? I a minute ago this happened. A minute, what does now have to do with a minute ago? You're a whole new creation now. You're not even dependent on a minute ago. You really can relinquish all your worries and concerns. It's course who's underwriting you god is underwriting you every second and based on this we can add the responsibility that we had that we said earlier that we're supposed to every year prepare more for the giving of the torah right we have to prepare for the giving of the torah and for the receiving of the torah so the Rebbe is finding even more work for us. He says what's included in this is also that we have to add on as well in the three pillars that the world is standing on. That the world is standing on. Because since it's not just Torah that, but it's the stability that Torah gives to the world, so we have to make sure every year before Shru is to tighten the nuts and the bolts of the world as well. What are the nuts and the bolts of creation? The world stands on three pillars. Torah, Avodah, HaGamil HaChassadam, which means Torah study, prayer, which is worship, divine worship, and acts of kindness and charity that we do for each other. So all three things need to be stringent. So the main addition over here is prayer and, and, and acts of kindness. Because Torah, we said anyways, we have to prepare for it. But the other two, and particularly giving tzedakah, or charity. In addition to this, that's one of the pillars that keep the world up, charity is considered the general mitzvah that incorporates all the other mitzvahs. And therefore, in addition to what the Rebbe says we will do now, and the Rebbe said the Rebbe used to give dollars to people. The Rebbe says that we will make everybody now after the discourse we will give everybody a a dollar, and that they should be an emissary, they should be an agent to give that to tzedakah. We have to before Shavuos, everybody should give more tzedakah. This is such a practical limer. It's telling you everything you should do. Make sure to get become more one with everybody, more sensitive, more caring. Make sure to surrender yourself to everything you hear that needs to be done. You actually do it, and then you think about it. Make sure that, wow, that we should bring all the children and make sure everybody should be in shul at the beginning of the time. Let's add and take upon ourselves, added Torah learning from now next year, meaning from after Shurus, we should have more hours of the day that we devote to Torah study. And spreading of the Torah to others, and making gatherings after Shavuos. I don't want to leave anything out. And the three pillars that the Torah stands, on. and that on erev Shavuos, the day before Shavuos, which in this case is tomorrow, even though this year it's Shabbos. Shabbos we can't give tzedakah because it's You Can't handle money on Shabbos, so make sure to do that tomorrow. Everybody should give extra tzedakah tomorrow. And to do it in a way like it's a a whole new beginning. (inaudible) Because when you open up a new flow of kindness and charity to others, it will cause God to open up a new flow of charity to you as well. (inaudible) Broadness. (inaudible) Regarding everything. (inaudible) And particularly regarding the giving of the Torah, that God will give you Torah with abundance. Beginning when God will give us the Torah, which says, I am God, you God, that I took you out of Egypt. So even if there's still a tiny little piece of us that's still in Egypt, when God says it, I am God, you God, that's taken you out of Egypt, that last piece of us will also go out of Egypt. Um, we go out from all limitations and all boundaries, and we become one. We become God with. One with God, the giver of the Torah. Now this, that we go out of all boundaries, is not some abstract thing that happens to our soul somewhere up there in heaven. It impacts even the soul that's in the body. That means in the material world. Going out of Egypt, not just spiritually, going out of Egypt in the practical. For long life, Guv bari a healthy body, neshama a healthy neshama. That means we should simply be healthy in in this world. That's cool. part of being in Egypt is to have illnesses and stick stuck and being, because that is an encroachment on your life. Going out of Egypt means there's no encroachment. There's nothing there. And how can we assure that our both our soul and our body will be healthy? So in the Torah itself, there is the body of the Torah. And there is the soul of the Torah. The law of the Torah is the body of the Torah. And the esoteric secrets of the Torah are the soul of the Torah. When we learn both, and when we learn them in a way that we combine them as one Torah, Torah both of them become one Torah. both adam them mit one achas. So that impacts that the body and the soul of the person should also become totally unified. And in their unification, they become unified with the third partner which is God Almighty Himself. They become totally one with God Himself. The giving of the Torah. Utter bonding and unification with Hashem. And through this, that this is being announced, the Rebbe is saying. The Rebbe is talking about himself announcing it in this big house, which he's referring to 770, a house where Torah is studied, a house which which prayer is increased, and a house which prayer is asking God for all of your needs, whether it's spiritual needs, whether it's physical needs. In days and the this adds even more that God assists us to fulfill everything we've, if we take upon our things, and it costs us money, God provides a ton of money. If it costs us energy, God will provide the energy. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the preparation for the giving of the Torah, whether the things that come specifically, they were in a house that that we should, the Torah should be in the in the in the in the strongest and the newest way, so much so that we merit the new Torah that's going to come in the days of Mashiach. Mm-hmm. With the complete redemption through Mashiach. And to add, the giving of the Torah means that it's given down here. The Rebbe is now using this whole, since we say that the whole point of giving of the Torah is that God gives us the authority over the Torah, that's what we know, that God doesn't have authority anymore in the Torah. Once he gave it to us, we're the ones who decide. So if we decided that the time of the redemption has arrived, then God has no authority over that as well, and he must comply. That's the way the Rebbe talks. He says, listen here, once you gave it to us, and we call the shots, then we call the shots. And you got to go along with where we decided. And we already announced that the time of the redemption has arrived. He called, because all the end times have passed. Yisrael and we've done tshuva. My mother, he says, can came come and told the Jewish people, do tshuva, do repentance. The Rebbe says, we've done it already. So it should be in the Redemption should come immediately. Now, the Rebbe said this 33 years ago. So let's get the ball rolling. <laughs> no, now, to add, the Yomtiv of Shuas has a unique connection to Moses, to Moshe. Why? Because Moshe was the man who received the Torah. The Moshe Kibbu Torah Messina Masra, as we say, Moshe received it in the Ethics of the Fathers. It says Moshe received the Torah, gave it to Joshua. Joshua gave it, right? It's a whole, it's a whole um, chain. <speaking in Hebrew> now they gave it down all the way it arrived to the men of the Great Assembly. They were the ones who said that you should establish lots of students, that the Torah should not be passed just to a selected field. Try to increase all the students. Who are all these many students? Every single Jew is a student. Men, women, and children. The words the sages use when they say you should establish many students, they say, you should station them. The Rebbe says that the word station also comes from the word pillar is that every single Jew becomes the pillar in which the three pillars that hold up the world are leaning on. So number one it's connected to Moshe. Shavuos is also connected to King David because King David passed away in Shavuos. It's also, and, and probably, uh, wait, that's right, passed away in Shavuos. And the third one, it's connected to the Balshem Tov because the Balshem Tov also, the founder of the Hasidic movement, also um, day of passing is Shavuos. Both of them have their yard side on Shavuos. Now since the concept that the worlds are renewed every minute, we said earlier, is a teaching of the Holy Bal but how did the Baal Shem Tov reveal it? Through a verse in Tehillim. So here you have the Baal Shem Tov and King David, like kind of being a chala, being made from, being braided together. Because the Baal Shem Tov uses King David's teaching to reveal to us how the world every second is being generated from nothing. Therefore, and it's connected to Shuas. <speaking in Hebrew> That's why the days of Shuas are particularly unique and predisposed to study torah to spread torah in a manner of establishing many students and that when you're and, the, and that the when you're learning it all year long it should be in a way that it's increasing Until it's a pace of a novelty when we learn Torah in a way new, we reveal the newness of the creation. So when you take Moshe Rebbe, who was the one who gave us the Torah, with the Bolshemtev and David Ameluch, who revealed the newness of creation. So you have this massive combo of the ability of, of new Torah revealing the newness of creation. It's a very, very powerful moment. But there's Elohim on the other side. It also works the other way, vice versa. When through, in other words, what he's saying earlier is like this: through learning Torah, which we got from Moshe, helps us further connect to the Balshem Tov and which they revealed the newness of creation. It also works the other way, through studying Chasidus, which reveals to us the newness of creation. That brings Mashiach closer. That's when Torah will increase. He's showing how through Torah the newness of creation is increased. Mr. studying Chasidus about the newness of creation will bring closer Mashiach, which will bring us new Torah. So he's showing how one is empowering the other. Each one is feeding into the other. The new Torah that's going to be in the future we can say, that's also the connection between the beginning of the Torah and the beginning of Matan Torah. It's to see the divinity in heaven and earth and this brings us the that God gives us new Torah God says I took you out of Egypt, which includes also going out in Mashiach's times. Rambam begins, as we said earlier, with creation and how all of creation is nothing other and, the, and and an expression of God. And what does the Rambam say at the end of a Sefer? In it leads you to the Giyula. Just like from Bereshus, we come to Yatiyas Mitzrayim, which is Giyula. And what's the end of and what does the Rambam say is the end of the redemption? The world will be flooded with knowledge of God, which is an increase of in Torah. So from recognizing God in creation, we come to, to an increase of in Torah. By day and through our work and our service. And through our work and our service. And particularly in our preparation of Matan and Kabbalah Especially after we completed already the, the counting of the Omer. Because the night the Rebbe said the Maimer was the last night of Svirus Omer. We already refined all the refinements. Because we know the forty-nine days of Sphira, each day is another refinement from Chesed of Chesed, kindness of kindness to Malchus of which is kingship of kingship. The Aymer, what Sphira Soimer is a preparation for Matan Torah, which is beginners, with, Anoychi that I took you out of Mitzrayim. We know that in continuation to Sphira Soimer, we say Aleinu. That's the end of davening. In which we say that God will be a king, and that day He will be one. Which this is connected to the sphere of So definitely, we finished already all the work. We already said, "Alainu l'Shabayach v'Yashem l'Melach al Kolarit." We said already, "Ach Tzadikim Yehidi Yesh Yeshi Yischarim All this was announced loudly, so definitely have to see your face. The Giyul has to come now. The Tiyashleimus the Malchus There will be the Shleimus of of Malchus of Kingship, Malchus based David, the Kingship of the House of David. The Gamalchusay Shol Moshe also the Kingdom of Moshe, because Moshe was also a king also the kingdom of the Balshemtov, and all the Rebbeim after him, and all of this should happen immediately, Hashem did not hold him back even for a minute, all of this should happen immediately,